0: Hello, and welcome to the CircuitPython Weekly for Tuesday, September 3rd, 2019. Uh, I'm Scott. I work on CircuitPython for Adafruit. I go by Tan Newt Online. Uh, CircuitPython is uh, embedded Python for small microcontrollers, uh, very inexpensive computers that are, are easily accessible for folks. Uh, Our goal is to make it easy for beginners to learn to program using microcontrollers. That's what CircuitPython is all about. You just plug it into your USB, it shows up as a drive with Python code on it, and you edit it, and you're off and away. Uh, CircuitPython development is sponsored by Adafruit, so please, please support Adafruit at adafruit.com. A number of folks in this meeting are paid to work full-time on CircuitPython by Adafruit, so please give them uh, huge props for that. Uh, this is our weekly meeting that usually happens on Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Adafruit Discord. Um, this week is a bit special because uh, yesterday was a U.S. holiday, so we bumped it till Tuesday. Uh, when we do that, we do post uh, in the CircuitPython uh, text channel uh, and pin it as well so that folks know that we've shifted the day. Um and if you're in the Circuit Pythonistas group, you'll get pinged about that as well. So if you're interested in being pinged about what's happening with uh, CircuitPython and uh, the meetings in general, uh, let us know that you want to be a CircuitPythonista and we'd be happy to ha- add you. Uh, if you are not on our Discord yet, you can join the Discord by going to the URL adafru.it slash discord. Uh, that will dump you into the Adafruit Discord and look for the CircuitPython text channel on the left. Um, everybody is welcome to join this meeting. Uh, we're happy to have folks and, uh, hear about what they're working on. this meeting is run in five parts. The first part is a community news section where we just go over the latest news, uh, that's happened in CircuitPython world, very similar to our, uh, Python for microcontrollers newsletter. It's kind of just a tease. Um, and then After that, we have state of CircuitPython and its libraries, which is a statistics view of the health of the project, kind of gives us a uh, nice uh, subjective or no objective way, (laughs) objective way of looking at the health of the project. So see how many people are involved and uh, what's going on there. So after that, we do hug reports, uh, which is a chance for us to say thank you to folks for the work that they've been doing. Uh, Really helpful for just giving credit where credit is due, but also uh, letting people know what we value as a community. Uh, That's done as a round robin, so I will start and then we go through the list of folks in the voice chat um, and giving everybody a chance to speak. Uh, If you don't have a mic but would like to participate, you can put notes in the notes doc or in the text channel and I will read them off. Just let us know you are text only um if you're just here to listen uh you can say that you're lurking and we won't call on you we'll just skip over you and uh, if you're unable to make the meeting but still want to participate as well you can put notes in the notes doc and um and we can read those off even if you don't make the meeting so uh that's how round robins work uh the next section after hug reports is status updates uh, which is kind of a brief couple minutes about what you've been working on and what you plan on working on in the coming week. And this is done as a round robin as well. So all of those uh, suggestions apply as well. And then lastly, we have uh, our in the weeds section, which is our chance to have longer form discussions of all sorts and all natures. So if you have topics for in the weeds, um, let us know either in the text channel or in the notes that you have Uh, Something you'd like to discuss And we will uh, call on the folks That have said that they have stuff for that um, When we get there Okay, and that is um, The overview of how it goes Uh, We are recording this meeting So if you are in the CircuitPython text channel We will record that It's a public channel anyway So don't be super surprised about that But for those of you in the voice channel We do record your voice as well So please be aware of that and feel free to go text only if that's uh, your preference. Um, the recordings are posted on Diode Zone uh, off and on and on the Adafruit YouTube, which is youtubecom Adafruit. And the description to, of those uh, those recordings also have links to the notes doc, uh, which will have time codes in it. So if you were ever miss a meeting and want to be able to go back and see uh, what was discussed, and maybe like watch just the spot of the video that discussed that. Uh, the notes will have time codes so uh, with that uh, my spiel is a lot longer today for some reason but I will take a time code and get us going into community news um, in terms of community news uh, the latest newsletter is out uh, today is Tuesday and it goes out Tuesday morning so um, there's a link here if people want to check it out if you're not subscribed uh, highly recommend it it's always got Basically everything we see uh, regarding Python, MicroPython, hardware, um, not hardware, all that sort of stuff. So it's a great resource. We have over 6,600 subscribers now. Um, so if you know of stuff that we're not hitting, uh, this n- newsletter at the very bottom, uh, it has uh, it has a link on contributing. So we'd, we'd love contributors for that. And as uh, Mike B. points out as well, you can go to adafruitdaily.com to subscribe. Um, we're starting to get more news from the community, so if you want to do that, yeah, you can open PRs on the on the repo, or you can at Adafruit on Twitter, email pt at adafruit.com, or open an issue. That's totally cool as well. Um, second up, we had a uh, CircuitPython five point zero point zero alpha one release. Thanks to Dan. Uh, it's available on circuitpython.org/downloads. It highlights uh, some BLE rework that Dan did along with some more modern or some additional uh, display support for OLEDs and Yinks is in there as well, so check that out. Um, we have 74-plus boards supported now, which is exciting. Uh, third up, we have uh, the Micro- Microsoft Garage interns uh, in Vancouver released their summer's work doing a device simulator for VS Code. Uh, So if you don't have a circuit playground or you sometimes don't have access to it, um, you can use this VS Code uh, device simulator to test your code without actually having a device, which is really neat. So props to them. And then uh, lastly, uh, next week uh, on Wednesday, so a week from tomorrow, uh, Adafruit will be on the Hackaday Hack Chat talking about machine learning. Uh, Python and hardware and more. Details will be posted soon at hackaday.io. So if you're a hack chat person and want to talk machine learning and Python, uh, check out next week. Uh, I think Phil and Lamore will be doing that. So that'll be cool. Okay, and with that, let's go on to the state of CircuitPython and its libraries. Overall, in the last week, and thank you to whoever dropped these in because I forgot to grab them. Um <laughs> Uh, overall, uh, 34 pull requests merged from eight different authors Dan, uh, Halbert, D Carada, Jerry, Brent, myself, Zon235, who's new, MS Costi, and Sedacious. Uh, we had 10 reviewers, which is actually pretty rare that we have more reviewers than authors. So, thank you to everybody there. Um, and yeah, so 34 pull requests merged, which is awesome. Uh, and we had nine closed issues by five people, eight opened by seven people. Uh, so we're net down by one, which is a, you know, ideally we're net down by more, but uh, it's okay to be sustaining for sure. So that's all good. Um, overall, we just got the first alpha of uh, 5.0 out, thanks to Dan. Uh, you should see us pick up the pace in terms of making alpha releases and beta releases available for 5.0 in the coming weeks. Uh, and we'll probably do at least one more bug fix of 41 so we'll probably do a 411 just to get uh, the dot star bug fix that Dan did along with uh, a couple other board support i think as well so um, all hands on deck on 5 but we were not quite done with 4x either okay so let's talk core. Um... From the core side, we had eight pull requests merged from two authors, Dan and myself. We had five different reviewers, so thanks to all of those reviewers. Those are uh, Lady Ada, Dan Halbert, Jeff Epler, Jerry, and myself. We have 13 open pull requests, which this number's gone up, uh, and so if you can help do requests or reviews on that or reviews on anything, it's uh, super helpful. Uh, we had six closed issues by five people and four opened by four people, so we're down two, which is good. And uh, we have 176 total open issues, which is good, because I think last week we were over, or the, in the last couple of weeks, we reached 180, which is a bit much. Uh, we have six active milestones. Uh, we have nine issues not assigned a milestone, which we should uh, take a look at. And uh, we have 10 open bug fixes for 5.0, uh, seven open issues for 5.0, and uh, two feature issues for 5.x0. We also have one 6.0 issue, but that is just a like when we do 6.0, let's turn this API off sort of issue. Uh, download stats by board are available here. I will not go by board, I will not read those off. Uh, but our download count for 4.10 is now uh, 4,849, and our download count for 5.0 Alpha 1, which was released on Friday, is 23. So um, please, if you haven't, uh, tested 5.0 yet, uh, please do that. It would be awesome to see what people think. Uh, we have download stats by language in the notes as well, but I will not read those off. Instead, I'll kick it over to Katni for library overview.
1: Excellent. Thanks, Scott. Mm-hmm. So on the libraries this last week, we had 26 pull requests merged by eight authors, including uh, Zon235, and who's new, um, and we had seven reviewers, which is also excellent, um, especially to see nearly as many reviewers as we have authors. So thank you to everyone who has been working on both sides of that situation. Uh, we had we have thirty eight open pull requests at the moment. They are all linked in the notes. Uh, this is the fact that we have thirty eight pull requests is something we are working on um, sorting so we can better track open pull requests and make sure things aren't slipping or getting lost in, you know, signal to noise issue. Um, And I can talk about that later, but we are uh, working on that. So if you have an open pull request and we have not responded to it, uh, please feel free to either ping us on the PR or ping us in discord. Um, We are doing our best to make sure that we get to all of them, but, uh, there's only so many of us, and there's a lot of open PRs, and we don't mind you letting us know that we have missed yours. We had three issues closed by two people, and four open by four people for 134 open issues. There's is a link to those in the notes, and we had um, two new libraries over the last week, and uh, a very long list—not not very, but a fairly long list of updated libraries, which I'm not going to read off. Um, those are linked in the notes as well if you want to see what it is we are up to. And that's where we are with the libraries.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Katni. E. Okay, let's go on to Hug Reports. Uh, as a reminder, Hug Reports is a chance for you to say thank you to folks for the work that they've been doing. Uh, if you uh, are lurking and don't want to say anything, let us know you're lurking if you haven't already. Uh, the ground truth for that is if you're marked as lurking in the notes doc. So uh, please. Check that out if you want. Uh, If you don't have a microphone, you can be text-only and either put it in the notes or in the text channel, and I will read it off. And then lastly, uh, otherwise, if you're participating, uh, we'll do it as uh, a round-robin. So I will start, and then we'll go down the list. Um, Let me start. I think that's all the details. So uh, first and foremost, I wanted to say thank you to Summersoft and Jeff Epler for their audio work, um, poking around with the DMA. Uh, There was this weird issue where uh, the left and right channels were getting out of sync, uh, which is really fascinating. So excited to dig into their PRs later today and see how that went. Uh, Thanks to Dan for the release of Alpha 1 uh, for 5.0. Really excited to see that happen. And uh, thank you for being the guinea pig on the GitHub CI stuff as well. Uh, thanks to Dan and Jerry for the dot sar fix, um, figuring out that we weren't quite sending the right bytes uh, when we're updating the dot sar. So, uh, really happy to see that fix. That was a weird one that, that lasted for a while. So thank you to those two. Uh, thank you to Catney for recreating a community helpers role on Discord. Uh, originally, community moderators was called community helpers, but people uh, got confused between uh, asking for help and uh, being moderated. So it's really nice to see those two things split off again. And, and thank you for Katni as well for recruiting our first two members of the community helpers role. Um, thank you to Entol for Circup, which is a new CLI-based tool for updating libraries and things like that. Uh, I In my notes, I call it hiccups uh, cousin. Uh, Thank you to Jerry for the forum help. I was on there last night and this morning, and it was nice to see people had been helped over the weekend, even though uh, some of us had taken off for the weekend. And lastly, I wanted to thank uh, Dave Estelles for the work enabling screenshots of the screen. He added a way to basically retrieve the bytes of a single row, and that was really cool and really beneficial to learn guides. So thanks to Dave for that. And with that, I will circle around, round and around we go to Brent.
2: Hello, um, how to report to Jerry for getting um, AT control work up to speed with ESP32. By um, a bunch of people use the particle boards, and now it's definitely it's running parallel to how we have all of our Wi-Fi boards. Out, which is really nice. Um, me for feedback regarding subcategories in the new bundle. That would be interesting. And
0: then info for Circa. Nice. Thanks, Brent. Okay, Carter and Seagrover are lurking, so we'll go to Charles.
3: Well, I I guess I should issue a, my standard group hug for this week because I I have nothing. I didn't get a whole lot done with CircuitPython. I'm working basically on a,
0: a couple of projects with uh, Blinka, so that's it. Awesome. Thanks, Charles. All right, let's go to Dan.
4: Hi. Okay, a bunch of things. Um, <clears throat> so um, thanks to TAC for um, spending uh, quite a while figuring out why I couldn't get HID to work on iOS. It had to do with report IDs and HID descriptors, and it was a really simple fix once we figured it out, once he figured it out. Uh, thanks to Scott for reviewing my BLE API um, <clears throat> PRs, both library and core CircuitPython, and having a lot of back and forth on that. And we have an extensive uh, video chat about that too. Um, thank as as Scott mentioned already. Thanks to Jeff, uh, Summersoft and Kevin Walters for looking at these DMA issues that have to do mostly with audio. We still haven't out of the woods on are not out of the woods on that. Thanks to Jerry. Every time I pushed a change for BLE or the Pi ruler stuff, he would f- test it in about five minutes. Hmm. So that was fantastic. And it, it really sped up the, the pace of those pull requests. And thanks for Arturo, who uh, made kind of a minor PR to add a new flash chip that he's using on board of his for CircuitPython. But then he noticed some, he immediately tracked down some issues with the new um, continuous integration stuff. And together we worked and figured that out. Okay.
0: Nice, thanks, Dan. All right, uh, Dave and Dave are lurking, so we'll go to Uh Just a standard group hug this week, uh, since I gotta get back into it. Sweet. Thank you, and glad you made it. Okay, Jeff Epler.
5: Hi, group hug to everybody. But uh, some people I want to single out are Summersoft. Uh, Kevin Waters and Dan for helpful pointers while working on this DAC stuff. Um, I'm really building on other people's expertise as I work on solving this one. And Summersoft again because he's continuing that mixer voice work, which if you're getting tired of it by now, you're uh, probably not wrong. But uh, it's good to see you uh, continuing on. And thanks to uh, Adafruit and Lady Ada for helping me expand my work on CircuitPython. Um, Right now, I'm still kind of going along at the same level, but in November, it's really going to take off.
0: Sweet. Awesome. Thanks, Jeff. Okay, before we go to Katni, I'm going to read Jerry off, who is canoeing, I believe. Um, So Jerry says, uh, congratulations all on the 5.0 Alpha 1 release. Uh, Special thanks to Dan for fixing the PyRuler.star issue and for BLE updates. And lastly... Uh, thanks to Sedacious and Summersoft for helping me interpret modern lingo. All right, Katni.
1: Okay, so first and foremost, I have a hug for Mad Bodger and Osterly for accepting the well-deserved invitations to become community helpers on Discord. Um, I noticed that uh, specifically that Mad Bodger was helping pretty much everywhere all the time, and thought um, we should recreate that role and uh, explain that obviously it means getting pinged more, it means being more visible, and he was still excited about uh, doing it, and I asked him to um, give me any other names, and he gave me Osterly's name, and so I discussed it with him as well, and both of them accepted, and now we have two new community helpers, which is great i want to give a hug to carter and sedacious for help with a Trixie rtc breakout that it turns out requires you to have a coin cell battery in it to operate at all hmm. um, to jeff epler for helping me get the a PDM mic going on circuit python pro tip check your wiring again no really one more time because <laughs> your garbage data is probably the wiring <laughs> To Summersoft for discussions on more improvements to Adabot and to the CircuitPython.org library contributing. And uh, lastly, to Sedacious for helping out with verifying some pinouts on a board and slogging through a very incomplete data sheet with me.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Katni. All right, King of North is lurking, so we'll go to Maker Melissa. Hello. Okay.
3: Hello. Uh, first of all, I report to Lady Ada for helping me with the TensorFlow object detection demo. And just a group hug to everyone.
0: Awesome, thanks, Melissa. Mike B's lurking, so let's go to N toll.
6: Hi, folks. Um, so, a group hug to everybody. Um, what I found just doing some work on this circup thing, I, lo- I love the hiccup uh, <laughs> mispronunciation as well, uh, which is very apt given the state of the code because it's uh, not quite working how I want it to. Um, but I just want to mention um, Lady Ada uh, Limor just for some help that she's given me Um, and I'm pointers um, and suggestions and also to Dan who about half an hour ago sent me a really great idea for something Um, so thanks for that I appreciate that I find I I feel that I'm uh, feeling around in the dark at the moment uh, but um, what I'm finding uh, is is really great so uh, thanks for all the people who've
0: Awesome, thanks, Nicholas. All right, let's go to Summersoft.
7: So, uh, so first off, I have a, a hug for Dan for some discussion and some pointers on on Mixer, um, which I'm not getting tired of, but <laughs> it is it is a slog I think at this point. Um, uh, thanks to uh, Japper for tackling the M Four DAC weirdness. Um, it, it truly is weird, and looking at the errata and the sheet and the various places people complain about it. <laughs> um, and then thanks to Katniss for the the decision to bring back the community helpers helpers role. Um, I think it's cool. And then subsequently thanks to Mad Bodger and Australia for accepting that. Uh, uh, the word responsibility is wrong, but it's the only one I have at the moment. So. And then the group up.
0: Awesome! Thanks, Microsoft. Okay, lastly, I have notes for Sedacious here. So Sedacious says, um, hugs to Arturo182, Dan H, Lady Ada for helping me figure out NRF pinout compatibilities. Thank you to Andin for a quality mod discussion about fostering teachable moments when the chance arises due to inconsiderate behavior. Awesome. Thank you, Sedacious. Uh, all right, and that's it for Hug Reports. Uh, let's go into Status Updates. Status Updates is a chance to take a couple of minutes and talk about what you've been working on, uh, both in terms of like what you did last week and what you plan on doing this week. Uh, we run it as a round-robin, so just like the section we just did. So again, uh, lurking, text only, those are things that uh, it's nice to know. But uh, yeah, let me get started. Uh, da, 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 da. For me... Uh, last week, we, I swapped us over to GitHub Actions for the CI. This will only happen on master, so this will not apply to 4X. Um, but uh, Dan used it, and it's been okay. It's not been super bad or broken. Uh, there's been a few hiccups, uh, but nothing super bad. And I think we've all benefited from this the faster runs, which has been really good. Um, okay. Uh, I'll, Nicholas, I'll go to you after me. Uh, once I finish. Okay, so uh, we did have a hiccup where not all release assets for 5.0 alpha 1 were um, successfully uploaded. So I will be poking it this week, sw- swapping over, over a token to hopefully get that working. I added a Halloween M4 board de- definition. Uh, I added a write to then read from to the I squared C API, which you should use over using stop equals false. Um, I merged in the new refresh API, the monster mask support and e-paper support as well. Um, in terms of backwards compatibility, I wait for frame and refresh soon in 4X should just not be needed. Um, so you can, you should be able to just remove it and rely on the auto show stuff, um, or the auto refresh stuff that both 4X and 4X always does and 5X does by default. Um, I went to PAX on Friday and had a very good, fairly good discussions and interest around uh, Circuit Python. I connected with one of the Playdate developers uh, from Panic, and uh, kind of confirmed that it'd be "quote unquote" fairly open. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see exactly how open that is and what, if anything, we can do to get Circuit Python on there. Um, so that'll come next year sometime when they're kind of out of the woods. And then uh, for this week, I need to fix up I2C display. Uh, Jerry found out that the SSD 1306 doesn't work right now. Uh, I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to swap the API token for release uploads. And then I will release alpha 2 which Is also a test of the release stuff. Um, and then after that, I have to finish the .hidden property of group and tile grid. This allows you to like hide or show something without having to remove it from the group and lose your ordering, uh, which should be good. And that's like the last work item I have for display. And then uh, item number three is to get BLE image transfer demos going and work from there. Um, work from there, meaning uh, figuring out how to do file transfers uh, from a mobile device onto a BLE device. So uh, that's exciting, and that's the turning point for me. So that should be really cool. Okay, uh, let's skip ahead to Entol, who's got to take off shortly here.
6: Yeah Scott thank you very much. Cuz I'm in the UK it's uh <laughs> yeah. it's the end of the day for me. Right. Um, no worries. I've got uh, dad taxi duties to 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 do. Um so yesterday I started some work on a new utility called Circup uh, which um... <sighs> Uh, is um, a tool that allows folks to uh, update the the modules uh, that might be on their connected devices. Um, Circup is obviously for CircuitPython update. Um, It's going well so far, like I said, sometimes it feels like I'm wandering around in the dark, uh, trying to find out how certain things work and what the conventions are and stuff. But then after about 10 minutes, all suddenly becomes clear and I go, "Uh uh I see what they're doing (laughs) um, and and hack my way around it and and, and do useful stuff. Um, So it's a command line utility. Uh, Hopefully it will be finished by the end of this week and I'm looking forward to getting feedback. Um, I love feedback. Uh, If you want to take a look at the repository, I'll paste that into the channel. Um, Please feel free to jump in with comments and suggestions and things. Uh, I like that sort of stuff. Um, So uh, that's it from me. Thanks for listening. Awesome.
0: Thank you, Nicholas. And uh, for those who don't know, uh, the doctor implies it, but N- Nicholas is also the author of Mew. So that is coincidental. <laughs> okay. Um, let's circle back around to Brent.
2: Hello. Um last week... Well, wow, there's so many um, last week, I finished up my work on Cloud IoT, so now that's another IoT service installation that works with Circuit Python. Um, I started an Ethernet manager to, making, to make the Ethernet Featherwing more easy to use um, instead of just relying on the Core API. Um, I got pretty far, but I had to stop because the Core Socket API throws OS errors and timeout doesn't work, so I'm not hmm. going to continue writing it because I don't want to hack together. Timeout. out, I'd rather just work from the core. And then I pick back up work on the Atex secure chip library. Um, this week I'm bringing up new boards, doing more work with Atex secure chip. Um, the IOT monthly newsletter comes out Friday, uh, adafruitdaily.com to subscribe. And then um, I'm restarting grad school and I have my first lecture. That's
0: <laughs> Awesome, well, that's it. good luck with that, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Scott. Okay, Charles.
3: Well, I have an interesting thing that I did. I cobbled together, I cobbled together using Circuit Python and a uh, uh, barometric pressure sensor, and I I actually did a, a quick and dirty data logger hmm. just, uh, just to see what was going on in, in in the area as far as the storm was concerned. came mm-hmm. out know, pretty interesting. I you know I I didn't bother to take a picture of it, but
5: it's,
3: CircuitPython made it
0: really simple to do. Great, thank you. Thanks, Charles. Okay, Dan.
4: Okay, so as I mentioned, uh, TAC uh, found the cause of BLE HID not working, and that's now fixed in the latest pre-release of that library. HID is still a work. In development in terms of its API so you'll see changes coming up and um, as I mentioned I finished the BLE pull requests both for the library and for the core there are some interesting changes in addition to additions that I, we needed to support BLE HID uh, BLE IO is now we've decided to designate it as underscore BLE IO so we can mess around and change the API and not expect people to hope that people won't depend on it, we will be able to change it in between uh, major releases. Mm -hmm. So we don't really want to freeze that. We want people to use a Python layer of API above that instead, instead of the low-level stuff. Right. Um, I fixed the dot-star problem that's already been mentioned numerous times. There are real issues. Dot-stars are not... You can buy them from different manufacturers. They don't work quite the same way. <laughs>
2: uh,
4: they might work to the spec, but maybe not, and their clock rates and other things can be different. So we had to accommodate for a new the new new batch which happened to be used on the dots on the pie Ruler first and had to figure that out. I prepared and released uh Alpha One release. Um, the most interesting part of that was going back and finding everybody finding a going through all the pull requests, figuring out what was going on. And my next order of business is to do actual bonding instead of just pairing in BLE, that is remembering the pairing information. And that's kind of the last thing that needs to be done for uh, a nice functional bit of BLE to have in five O.
0: Okay. Awesome. Thank you, Dan. Okay. Dave and Dave are lurking, so let's go to Hierophat.
8: Okay, so not uh, too many updates for what I've done over the past couple weeks because I got caught up in a bunch of moving craziness that took way longer than I was hoping it would. So, um, but uh, this week I'll be moving on uh, just a bunch of rapid fire action items. Uh, so, getting uh, the pull request that should resolve all of the kind of um, USB setup and modularity stuff that. Allows STM32s to have multiple different boards, kind of support the differences between uh, STM32 boards. Uh, and then after that, pretty rapidly moving through um, analog I/O, uh, wrapping up the rest of bus I/O, and getting QSBI in there, which should make a nice round uh, kind of beginning of the port for um, STM32 and kind of get a lot of the base functionality we want in there. Um, so, sweet. Yeah.
0: Thank you. All right, Jeff.
5: Well, I didn't have a lot of time during the weekdays last week, but I squeezed as much as I could in on the weekend. And that was mostly working on the audio um, and analog out bugs. And um, so I've kind of talked about that. But on Arduino, it looks pretty good. And on CircuitPython, there's this weird stair step when you uh, increase the value of the DAC by more than a threshold amount in one step. And I don't understand why that is or where in the hardware that could possibly come from, but that is at the root of several of these problems. Hmm. Um, And I had a a fix that makes it sort of better, but also it messes up reading the SPI flash, um, which kind of makes the board not work very well. So that's Mm -hmm. something I realized only later um, when I was like, where are my files? Hmm. Where are my files? Um, Anyway. Uh, this week I'm expecting the I2S audio hardware to get here and I'm going to take a break from the audio stuff and work on I2S audio out on NRF, take a break from audio to work on audio. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say. And <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, I'm hoping that we'll get to pull request state, um, maybe next weekend, but we'll just have to see because there's no code written yet and I don't have any familiarity with I2S, but we'll get there. hmm
0: Awesome. Thanks, Jeff. Okay, before we go to Katanyi, I'm going to read off Jerry's. Jerry says, uh, not able to attend off in a canoe, <laughs> which I think made a bunch of us jealous. Uh, Jerry says, updated the esp AT control library, uh, now uses Adafruit requests and works with Adafruit IO HTTP library. Uh, hope to get M- mini MQTT working soon. Uh, Fixed the LIS3DH library to access the ADC. Not overly useful, but it works now. Uh, Found a fixed CircuitPython 5 compatibility issue in the slideshow library. And lastly, tested BLE updates with CircuitPython Alpha 1. Working well. Let's go to Katni.
1: All right. So I apparently have a very long list.
0: I'm pretty sure you always do because you're doing so much.
1: (laughs) That's fair. Updated the PDM microphone breakout guide to include a CircuitPython example and also to include the new PDM uh, microphone with JST breakout. So there's a new fritzing object for that and um, it works pretty much the same except you can just plug in a stem cable, which is nice. Um, wrote the product guide for the ATECC608. Uh, with a fitting object for that as well. And um, that has no CircuitPython code for it yet. So that guide um, only has Arduino. Um, discussed with SummerSoft updates to Adabot to better track open PRs and issues across the libraries. Uh, worked through how to better utilize circuitpython.org library slash contributing for what it was intended for, which was to be able to track PRs and issues across the libraries. At the moment, it builds weekly which is not often enough. And um, so we discussed, uh, I discussed with uh, Justin, who's uh, one of our web dev guys, um, that uh, how, how could we pull the data from elsewhere so we're not trying to do a PR to circuitpython.org every day because that's untenable. Um, and it turns out our first idea of uh, pulling the data from S3, is uh, apparently uh, probably doable and if not there's other ways to do it where it's pulling data from elsewhere so the data will be uploaded daily and the site will be built daily um, but it won't involve uh, individual manual prs so that'll be good Um, created uh, the community helpers role and brought on two community members as community helpers if anyone has any suggestions of community members for consideration please feel free to contact me on discord privately the role is intended to be a way to recognize those who are putting a lot of effort into embodying what we're trying to do with creating a supportive and positive community and who help out across the entire server. So please keep this in mind when suggesting someone. This role does mean that they're making themselves more available to the community in a more visible manner as the role is explained as a is pingable for assistance, so it may not be for everyone. And obviously, inclusion is ultimately up to the community member as to whether or not they would like to accept that. Um, but if you see someone who might fit that, feel free to let me know um, so I can take a look and we can talk about that and uh, possibly add more people to that role. Uh, so this week, I'm going to do a quick sweep of uh, library issues and PRs, probably more like library PRs, um, as there is no quick sweep of issues and PRs right now because there are so many. Um, I'm going to be doing the product guide for the Circuit Playground Bluefruit. Uh, which is going to be very similar to the Circuit Playground Express, and in fact, use a lot of the same um, pages with um, something that says, "Hey, this looks like the Circuit Playground Express, but it works for both." Um, I'm going to be making the decision this week on how we're going to handle the um, Circuit Playground Express library. Uh, definitely, I think we're going to go with the the Dot fruit module. Um, which was the reason that there was a Dot .express module in the first place. Um, but still thinking about import manner. Um, the next thing on my list actually is going to be held off because there is a bug in 5x that needs to be fixed that uh, affects what I was going to do, so that's going to be a bit. Um, I need to update a series of old libraries that were created before we standardized cookie cutter. Um, that is actually for CIRCUP for, for Nicholas's um, script because he found a bunch of libraries that don't have the right version numbering system and that sort of thing. Um, depending on what kind of time SummerSoft has, possibly working with him on updating Adabot, and uh, depending on that, uh, possibly working with Justin on updating circuitpython.org slash libraries and slash libraries slash contributing. Um, We are, I forgot to add, um, going to be updating the CircuitPython um, main guide uh, FAQ and troubleshooting sections to explain that we are dropping the 2x and 3x bundles and um, do a hard link to the last build so that if people, for whatever reason, refuse to update CircuitPython, they Mm -hmm. still will have access to the last time that we built it, um, but that will be it, and we won't support it. Um, so that's going to be updated, and then there's a PR in for that, and we can merge that PR once all of the um, documentation is updated to match it. So that's something that I want to actually get out of the way before doing anything else, um, so we can just get that done and, and you know, it'll be good to go. Um, and I think... I think that's it.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Katni. All right, let's go to maker Melissa.
5: Hello. Okay, so last week I was working finishing up a TensorFlow install procedure for the Raspberry
3: Pi 4 and writing a guide for it. Uh, I worked on testing some of the
6: EPRs, and uh, I updated the display buttons to be a subclass of a group. Uh, This week I'm going to finish up that uh,
3: Raspberry Pi guide. I'm going f- to work on finishing testing up the ink pull requests and um, I'm going to get back to, re- I'm going to try and get back to working on some of the Blinkist stuff, like writing new guides and adding new boards, pull requests and stuff like that.
0: Cool. Awesome. Thank you, Melissa.
9: Okay. Thanks. Let's go to sedacious. Howdy, howdy. So let's see. Um, what did I do last week? Last week I um, finished up or got the uh, uh, airlift 50 wing guide as close as possible to being done, just waiting for pictures. Um, I also finished the CircuitPython driver for the TLV493 board that Catney designed. Um, I In terms of personal projects, I started another complete reroute of my keypad for the third time, because I made yet another design decision change, and then also figured out that um, the NRF52840 doesn't easily do 8-bit parallel. So Hmm. can't do that easily. Um, and then, uh, let's see, next week, this week, I'm working on the guide for the TLV. I'm also going to be doing bring up and testing driver's guide, all that fun stuff for the PCT 2075, which is a low cost temp sensor with um, temp triggers, which is kind of cool. Um, and then I'm also going to be doing even more routing on my board, and I will post now a picture of what I've been doing. Um, yep, that's it for me. More of that to come. So- and- so, for yes. the
0: NRF 8 bit parallel, uh huh. Uh, I like somebody merged it in saying it did work. Like,
9: okay, um, we can talk about it offline then. I'm not going to reroute the board the fourth time though. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah, to, yeah. To yeah I,
0: I don't think it's hugely I'm... beneficial, but I thought no. it worked.
9: Okay, uh, well, using the high speed pins, but like, does it have hardware? backing it up or is it all it's like bit banging?
0: my understanding is that it's just bit banging you like you're just writing a, okay. a byte to right. the port peripheral or whatever
9: yeah okay cool um in
0: the same way the samd oh, so you, the samd is doing it that way too
9: okay so you can write a whole byte because I've, I've found a driver that uh, dan linked me to that is just setting the bits one by one theoretically i guess it could have you know the pins non-sequential or something um, right right so which is, i assume yeah. that
0: they're in order right like there one right. next okay. to each other yeah
9: i think the, the problem is finding high speed pins that aren't being used for q spy that are sequential i think i wasn't able to find a combo that did that, that how that, how high speed
0: is high speed
9: um i think the data sheet says low speed is like 10 kilohertz oh really low <laughs> yeah i was like if it's like you know 100 versus 400 or something that'd be fine but no, that's just, you'd just be giving up everything you, you got for going parallel. Um, okay. Yeah, that's it for me. Cool. Thank you. All right. Uh,
0: last but not least, Summersoft.
7: No again. Uh, so, last week um, for Mixer, I finished using all the available um, built-in intrinsic functions on the M4. Um, that was something that Dean had, had, Dean had started, but just hadn't kind of finished all of them um due to size constraints i disabled mixer uh size constraints and suggestions uh, i disabled mixer on all the m0 boards um Dan in our discussion earlier this week had pointed to some possibilities to slim down the straight c code where the intrinsic stuff isn't available but i wouldn't make any promises on that um, so it may come back to m0 but no problem uh, and then I made mixer backwards compatible with audio I/O mixer, um, where the module, the new module of audio mixer is available. Uh, and then um, elsewhere, so on the core docs, um, basically anytime we used or a, a, a table in read the docs, uh, the text wouldn't wrap in each of the cells, so it was just constant horizontal scrolling, which is no fun. Um, so I got that fixed because uh, there are some overrides available that are now included. And then, so this week, um, for mixer, uh, address any anything brought up during another round of reviews. um there's currently one outstanding uh, the, there's a parameter um, called channel count, uh, which the doc string is wrong, regardless um, that I had missed changing. Um, but it it doesn't lend itself. It's, it's used for mono mono versus stereo um, sources or samples, basically. But it doesn't really, you don't think of that when you hear the term channel count, um, unless you're an audio engineer, I think. So you um, need to rework that. And then as Catley, Catney alluded to, um, I'm going to try and start working on the necessary logic in Adabot and Adabot to um, start working on some metric information for the issues and the PRs. Um, things like time is how long it's been open, um, checking for if a label is available on the repo, and then if it's been assigned to issues or PRs and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, and then also uh, moving basically the JSON file um, out of the repo and into S3 so that we can increase the interval in which it's update and not add to the touch time. And having to approve and merge a PR every time,
0: mm-hmm.
7: and that's all I got.
0: Awesome. Uh, the reason I called it channel count is I was I'd probably overly future proofing myself to like, you know, five channel audio or something. But...
7: Right, and and I'd mentioned in in Jeff's um, review comment, I pointed to raw samples use of channel count, and in the in the description of the class. It, it goes into and it explains, you know, if you have multiple channels, it'll just alternate on the stream. But in a in a mixer sense, you know, when I I look at a mixer, you wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. have multiple channels, you know what I mean? Right, right. It's really just stereo or mono, so.
0: Right. Yeah, I'm I'm it's fine if you want to change it. I'm just trying to give you that background. No,
7: no. no I yeah, I get it
0: thinking too far ahead. You're good. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Well, thank you Summersoft. Okay. Let's go in the weeds. Um in the weeds is a chance for us to just have any longer form discussions that we need to uh it could be a te- technical topic, community topic or anything in between. Um so we will kind of go down the list and uh We will add uh Carter stuff too. Uh let's go to Sedacious first.
9: Okay, so I've got I just had a second thing to talk about. We can come back to it if need be. Um my first thing I want to talk about was what the kind of current status or plan or timeline is for doing something with concurrency um in Circle Python. I know we've got that Great chat thread that we've been discussing different options and whatnot. But I just this the other day I had to explain to someone how to blink an LED and look for button presses at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, you know, that's that particular example or variations of it that are close to that are common enough for new people that I feel like having something either a better explanation than I can provide off the cuff of. Of how to do that, or something in the code to support it, um, mm-hmm. I think would be useful. So, just wondering where that is. I think this is a Dan question more than anything else. Uh,
4: well, I just had a discussion uh, with a little more about this. But there, I mean, it's yeah, she would like to get to it, but we have to figure out what to do. But nothing, nothing is imminent. Okay. Uh, the The button press specifically, you could use. Um, Deshi Poo's game, built-in gamepad,
9: game
4: yeah, which okay. which which does a level look at up at a bunch of
9: buttons and uh-huh.
4: record their state, and that's so that's useful for
9: doing yeah. that quickly. Uh, uh, you still have to like pull on it or something to figure out when it's been pressed, or um, I can't remember what the
4: you what do need to better.
0: read it. It won't interrupt you, yeah. but right exactly if, yes. if it's. If you don't read it while it's pressed it will remember that it was pressed previous like since the last right. time you checked
9: right okay yeah
4: and yeah, uh, it... Radimir also has this like strawman library that he worked up to do a very simple event loop that like, kind of mechanize how an event the um, make it easy to, to build an event loop. Mm-hmm. With decorators and stuff, and I have to. It would be nice to look at that in more detail, but we haven't done that.
9: Okay. All right. Yet. So, like, not for the next month or two. Not, not,
4: yeah. I don't see this. I mean, we might want to turn on async and await to enable this stuff in five zero at some point, but uh, I don't know yet. I'd like to get to it, but I have to finish yet some
9: other the other stuff first. Okay. All right, good to know. Are you leaning in any, any particular direction? I haven't read the thread in a while, so. In terms of approaches. No. OK.
4: No. Right. Either we'll make something really simple that solves 70% of the problem, or. Or just this okay. problem. Yeah,
9: just yeah. this problem. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, OK. Uh, my other thing was, I don't know if there was anything more to say about the parallel on NRF, but. Um, the chat was continuing a little bit on the, in the text though i didn't know if there was anything else to say there i don't have anything but yeah, if it anyone it doesn't else has
0: sound like it
5: well okay. while i was playing with the pwm audio out it didn't seem to matter which pin i used uh and that's synthesizing uh you know like up to a 44 kilohertz uh signal so i mean it was fine and I wasn't using the radio, so I have no way to assess whether uh, it was right. interfering with that. OK, yeah, my, my
9: use case is a keyboard that needs you know wireless keyboardness, so right. um, the radio would be necessary. So I'll just, I don't know, I'll, I'll try it on a different rev or a different board or something and, and see how bad it is, if it is that bad. Right. I
4: mean, well, I think
5: kilohertz is a fine polling rate for a keypad, isn't it?
4: Right, but um, he's not he's, for he the keypad. That's for
5: the screen. Yeah, that's for the screen, not the keypad. I uh, got it, yep.
4: Yep. yeah. And there may be some discussion of it in like the Nordic Dev Zone forum or something like that.
9: Mm-hmm.
4: Okay. So like how much difference it really makes. There's there more in the data sheet than what was put in the chat. Like more discussion of what, what, sure. what the problems are, yeah. Okay.
9: All right, thank you.
0: All right. Charles, did you have something to say?
3: Yes, I have a... Uh, sort of a similar problem is how to how to uh, catch uh, key uh, key pr- presses and releases for my MIDI keyboard yeah sort of I'm sort of doing it in a rather primitive way, way and it rather is really
0: slow on the uptake as far as sounding the notes are concerned. you're using you're using a GPIO expander for that too right?
3: Yes, I am, so that I can build uh, like a twelve-note octave. Right. And then clone it. Hopefully, at some point, clone it to get more octaves right. without having to press a button. Right. So that's my pu- That's I have a similar puzzle how to how to pull that fast enough so that I can re- get a reasonable response when I convert. The button press to a note on or a note off.
9: Right. Um, I uh, hopefully you won't mind me volunteering him, but C. Grover has done a lot of very similar stuff. You might uh, want to talk to him. I'm sure he's got some in- input that would be right. valuable.
3: Oh, that would be cool. Thank you. OK. Thanks, me... Charles.
0: OK, uh, Dave Brachetti from Tech says, let me take a time code. Uh, Hi, all. I won't be fully on the call today, but I want to throw out an idea about a directory of the CircuitPython community. Uh, Maybe an online spreadsheet with uh, who's working on what, relationship to Adafruit, general bio, professional and personal, uh, Twitter handle, YouTube channel, LinkedIn profile, and the like, uh, geographic location, or maybe at least time zone. It'd be opt-in and community-maintained to help newcomers like me get oriented and make connections for collaborating, contributing, and the like. Any comments on that? I kind of feel like GitHub profiles could be that. But what are yeah,
9: um, so this came up when we were chatting briefly about, it turns out we live, like, 15 minutes away from each other. <laughs> um, so uh, that was a surprise to both of us, and okay. we, it kind of came up. So, yeah, I think it's a good idea. Um, obviously, you know, maybe it's just me and my background in you know, development on the interwebs, webs, but, you know, there's a little bit of you know, uh, caginess about fully putting all my info up on the interwebs, mm-hmm. and I'm sure other people have a similar thing. But nonetheless, if it's opt-in, right. put in whatever you want and then just make it accessible. Um, I think there is definitely a lot of value there.
0: Okay. Uh, any other thoughts on that?
5: Is there a way to link from your uh, Discord profile to GitHub, or is that... Um not on their list of integrations. I see I can link to my Steam, but GitHub is just not as important to them, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and like it's not all in one place either. I think I think as Dave suggests, like maybe a spreadsheet is just fine to start with.
5: Well, and if you're cagey about, you know, putting your ICBM location or even your time zone, you just leave that block or that uh, yeah. cell in the spreadsheet blank and right. nobody's going to fault you for it. So we
0: just at the top, we have to be like, only put your own information in, basically.
5: Yeah, that would definitely be... Uh, yeah, we need to do that.
0: Although, I'll, although I think it would be okay for us to say, like, so-and-so GitHub username is working on X or, like, that sort of stuff would be okay. Uh, so, yeah, I guess uh, somebody start it and we can... See how it goes. I'm happy to put my stuff in there. You all know most of it, anyway. But... All right. Uh, yeah, You know, related to that, I did think about whether it would be cool to do, like, a blog series about CircuitPython contributors where, like, somebody does, like, interview questions, kind of like PyDev of the Week, um, but as a, as kind of a way to highlight the folks in our community. Again, uh, they obviously obviously have the uh, the option to do it, but that's another idea around that.
5: I would like that because I would love to know more about all of you people, even if the price is telling you more about myself.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, the ch- the the challenge is finding somebody who can write that up and and run that. That's the that's the tough part. So if anybody that sounds cool to you, anybody uh, listening to it, uh, we're happy to. Happy to reach out and do that. And uh, we could get it on the blog and everything too. So cool. All right. uh, Let's go to Carter. Uh, Carter's a chipmunk. Okay. Uh, Let's go to Jeff Epler and we'll go back to Carter as he de chipmunkifies.
5: Um, so, I mean, I see that we keep struggling to fit things onto uh, particularly the M0 boards. Right. And I wonder, uh, do we ever deprecate or remove support for boards and say, just like the old bundle, we're not going to update the 3x bundle. We say, well, sorry, we added so many great things in 7.0 that your uh, itsy bitsy won't work anymore or whatever it would happen to be.
0: I would hesitate to do it. I mean, we did the NRF 52832 and the ESP.
5: Yeah, that's true.
0: uh, Between 3X and 4X, and I think that was the right call. But as long as that core workflow stuff uh, can apply to M0 still, which I think will be true for a while, um, I think it would be good to support them to continue to support M0s. Um, but that
5: we would not add new functionality to them. Like when we come up with the uh, synth, uh, audio synth, or whatever it is that you want to add, and that just doesn't fit. Exactly. We say well, you don't get that feature, but you keep the core right. advancements. Right,
0: right, yeah. Like more, more to this model of like boards have different modules available, and there's kind of like rough classes of boards with the same sort of functionality available um, that's the model that I would continue to, to live
4: within. Um, I, I had a discussion with Bill Binko about this also. And, you know, one of the other constraints we have is that some languages are really large, their translations. Mm-hmm. And so there's this sort of trade-off was like, well, only if we only include features that the largest language, allows us to support on the smaller boards it seems limiting in some sense and so the question is can we still continue to squeeze the translations down by using a better compression scheme there's some ideas about that um or maybe thinking about offloading the translations into a file
8: Mm
4: that lives compressed on circuit pi right or something which would be a different and that makes it harder to update that makes the updating process a little trickier But that's that's another idea to make the boards more long-lived in the long run.
5: Or make them English only? I I
4: would
0: argue against that. I think too much technology is English first. And so I would really fight for continuing to do that. Uh, Continuing to have all of the different languages supported and everything. The one thing that I would maybe be okay with is like maybe we turn off the terminal output stuff for different languages because uh, we have to store the built-in font um, and that takes takes space um, I think I'd be okay with with making it so the built-in font didn't work mm-hmm. and, and the auto serial stuff but especially because on' M- on m0s like the display stuff is not that common like the only board with a built-in is Halloween m0 so I think that would be a way to get some space back for for things like chinese and stuff
5: right how complete is the chinese translation anyway because you know if it's tight now and it's translated 50 percent, then when somebody finishes the translation suddenly it doesn't fit chinese Uh,
3: is uh i think i could speak a little bit to it because i played with the uh with the uh, characters in both japanese and chinese mm pictographs. And you you're really
0: creating you're you're really creating a monster. <laughs> well, the um, the only the only Chinese we now support is Chinese Pinyin. Oh, okay. Um, I would like okay. to support regular Chinese, but I think as Dan no, alluded would, to, like
3: that I think would be painful because if you just to 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 give you a picture, a brief picture, I used to translate translate early on in my uh, career I used to translate uh from english to to Japanese
8: mm-hmm.
3: you know, kind of, uh, use it. and we were uh and you you went from a a one oh one keyboard to like three hundred and fifty keys right you which the character set is right. is rough to begin with right it's large to begin with and then very various groupings of them would create a massive
0: right so yeah mass- I, I agree with I, that but we have to understand that like it's really important <laughs> like no, supporting non-english with- language is really important so well no. that's something well, I'm willing to pay pay uh, space for
3: has it ever occurred that maybe you want to try to do a translation with the what they call the phonetic alphabet, you know, the, that is a uh, that that works with the
4: Latin characters. Right. Well, that's what the opinion one is. Yeah. yeah so I uh, think I think way, figuring out ways of offloading it out off of the internal flash is kind of a good idea in the long run. I agree. Um, yeah. Yeah.
7: Mm-hmm. Uh, I had this. So I, I had this internal debate most of last week um, on mixers specifically. I, I was using the M0 as my my least common denominator, and it was only failing the pinion builds. You know, it left mm-hmm. it space everywhere else, and, and and I started to debate it internally, and I, I did come to the point. I'm, I'm kind of with you, Scott. I, I I think that supporting larger languages is more important than adding new features. When you when you get down to that level, I mean, obviously the M4, you know, and Hopefully some down someday the M7, you know we don't have those constraints, but I still do think that, that having it as widely available is better than right putting in new features and, and yep. limiting the language.
0: Yep. I agree too. <phone rings>
8: Is the limitation mostly just flash size for, for Chinese? I mean, like, with, with Japanese, I guess you could just do everything in Ghana. But um, with Chinese, like, do you have to fit, like, all 7,000 or oh, 74,000 characters in to, to for that to no, be available? We're not just talking.
4: It's just, like, I mean, let's, forget the font part. It's just how much do the UTF-8 or utf strings take? Right. How much space do they take? So the okay. Pinyon translation is, is, it's like a bunch of accented characters, Ro, un- accented Roman characters. Right. And so those get larger, and also the language itself. Like, if you just look at French versus English, it's just that the, the way the language, the vocabulary of the language makes the translation about a third, quarter to a third larger than the equivalent English.
8: So I was, I, I was just looking at the, the Unicode size for CJK is about 74,000.
4: Yeah, we're not talking, we're really just talking about how much space the, st- the strings themselves take when encoded. Gotcha. And Scott is already, he already Huffman encodes each string, but there might be a way, that you could, we might be able to use a dictionary-based compression scheme, but I haven't found a convenient library that works out of the box for doing that, So that does LZW, that is like zip mm-hmm. style, uh-huh. compression uh, for multiple strings. They're all stream-oriented, and I'd like them to be... I'd like to have a bunch of short strings that share a common dictionary. Right. And I haven't found a library out of the box that does that yet. Gotcha. Yeah, it's an interesting problem. Yeah.
0: And then the other thing is the Huffman solution right now accepts any byte. Like, the, the Huffman tree includes bytes that are not in the input string. So that theoretically, when you load like an .npy or a .py file, you could theoretically compress it at load time um, <laughs> and reuse the dictionary later. But um, we don't do that currently. It's a tricky problem.
8: Yeah, I imagine it'd be trickier for Chinese rather than than Japanese. Right. There might be there might be easier ways to handle that for, for Japanese. Well, there
4: are phonetic alphabets for different Chinese dialects. I mean, this pin- pinion is an example, but and I think they're ideographic ones like that too. Sure. It's um, then, then, then you have to have two versions of Chinese. Then you have to like have a Cantonese. Right so. It's it's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Radomir, I'm not able to hear you. Can anybody else hear Radomir? No. You're. Bubble is green, but I can't hear you. Can he hear me? I assume so. All right. Still no. He's saying something. <laughs> he was trying to make the argument in the text chat that, like, we could definitely do Japanese because, like, the Game Boy is able to do Japanese.
4: Yeah, because they just use hiragana. Yeah.
0: Right.
8: So, um, yeah, you just put the little spaces in between the hiragana, and that's, that's that, pretty much. All
4: right. And... Yeah, Go ahead. but it's also just true that the languages, as like the example that Jeff Epler gave in the chat, of like some things are just longer. So yeah,
3: yeah, it tends to generate very long strings because it's like it. Although it shouldn't be too bad because you can, you should be able to. It's not any bigger than. And uh, was it? Uh, I'm sorry, I can't get get it connected in my brain. But the uh, the standard uh, the standard uh, Unicode uh, encoding uh, was it? Uh, UTF8. UTF8. Yeah. Any bigger than that? If you if you. Uh, for Japanese, uh, for you can stick to the hiragana. Uh, it should oh, right. not be any bigger than that. I've seen it. Is it? Yeah, I've seen it before. But, All right. Uh, I, I can. I can. I used to be able to press a lot, lots and lots of the uh, the uh, technical terms in uh, in very small spaces.
4: But I, I just want to point out also, this is not really a problem just with these Asian Indie graphic languages. The German, Polish, and to some extent the French translations are also all pretty large. Right. And it's just the way, the structure of the language is... Yeah, we'll, well, we'll yeah, always
0: have a largest language.
4: With German,
3: yeah. you, German, you uh, you conjugate the word T-H-E.
0: That's, that makes everything larger. <laughs> If you think Bye. about it. Okay. Uh, well, I'm going to pull us out of these weeds. Yes. No. Um, and let's go to Carter and, and then we'll wrap up.
10: <laughs> okay. If I'm
0: not Chip Monkey, uh, you sound good.
10: Okay. Woohoo. Um, let's see. What did I have? It was about NeoPixels, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. It's it's related to a link. I'll link an issue here. This issue that's been open for quite some time, I kind of keep coming back to it because yep. people keep kind of tripping up on aspects of this in the forums. OK. And I kind of want to okay. see if I can move forward and fix this. But it brings brings up a couple of legacy things with the current NeoPixel API mm-hmm. or library or whatever you want to think of it. There used to be only, as I understand it, it used to only be BPP, bytes per pixel. Right. And you kind of inferred from that the pixel order but unfortunately there's all different pixel orders also right so you had to add that and now you kind of have two things that more or less uh, can contain the same information can sometimes conflict and for backwards compatibility we kind of left in the bpp right but it makes the logic like overly complex Mm -hmm. and also i think there's at least three different NeoPixel libraries out there. There's the Arduino, there's the CircuitPython, and then I think there's something separate for Seesaw even. So there's some slight differences in what's going on yeah. amongst the three. Yep. So it'd be kind of nice to standardize on what should be done with that. My suggestion is just to get rid of PPP altogether. Pixel right. order is needed, right? Because there are different pixel orders. There's RGB, GRB, all that. Yep. And pixel order gives you the BPP. So there's really no reason for BPP.
0: Right. Have you looked at the the repos that uh Roy pointed you to?
10: I have. I've kind of skimmed through yeah. those.
0: Yeah. And... I would say that's our future. It's just a matter of like exactly when it gets here. Right. Um but it is like it factors out a lot of the core APIs of those RGB LED things to into pixel buff. Uh, which not only gives a more consistent API, but it also means that uh, like a lot of the operations will actually be faster. Like we'll get a big speed boost from it.
10: Right. Yeah. And that's, like for example, he's gone to strings instead of tuples for what actually is in, under the hood. Right. For the things, and that and that's fine. That won't really change things from a user point of view. Right. <laughs> And, but I guess I haven't dug through it enough to know exactly what his thinkings are in terms of BPP. Is he going to keep it around or is he just going to get rid of it? I believe
0: together? it's removed if I remember right.
1: That sounds right. But yeah, yeah I would be
0: I would be in your, I, I agree with you. I think we don't need BPP anymore. We just use pixel order.
6: Okay. But if
1: we're moving to pixel buff, there's probably not a lot of point in working through moving it in NeoPixel, because pixel buff is not that far out. Right.
10: (laughs) Okay, so maybe just hold off, let the pixel buff stuff show up, and then we can modify this in line with that. Yeah. Yeah. Both getting rid of BPP and switching to the different using the strings instead of the tuples. It looks like he's importing, like right now the the tuples are defined in the NeoPixel.py. And he's getting rid of that and importing those definitions as the strings from Pixel Buff, so right. kind of them, which is which is totally cool. Yeah. So once that becomes available, we can switch to that. Yes, and get rid of BPP at the same time. Okay, exactly. so I'll just I'll hold off on that and try to keep an eye on when that all is mature and available. Yep. Okay, so that's the second thing. Is semi related to this. There's this notion that. um. When you have RGBW Neopixels and someone says, Hey, I want RG and B to be the same values, it goes, Oh, you're probably wanting to generate white, so let me just ignore those and turn on the white LED right. instead. Right. And it's a it's kind of a it's a good idea, but it trips people up when they they get kind of get unexpected behaviors. And that's another thing where I think the logic is slightly different amongst the three different flavors. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of question if that's being, is this doing more harm than good, adding more confusion than good, instead of just like making it just straight up explicit. You just, if you have four channels, you control the four channels, you have three channels, you control the three channels, and so be it.
0: So you can, I think, if you use the tuple, right? Like if you provide a tuple, you can do that. It's the question of what do you do when... Um, when you're given just a number, right? And I, I and like so you're
10: he- kind of implying that supplying the information with tuple would be a different behavior than supplying information with a with a number.
0: Yeah, and the reason that I wanted to support the numbers is because that matches the way that you think of colors largely right. on the web, right? Like it's well, very I, common to exchange colors in hex, like six-digit yeah. hex, hex values. Right. Right. But yeah.
10: And I I see people doing, I see beginners doing both. They kind of just, they pick one or the other, or they'll kind of bounce back between the ports, just whatever seems to be the most convenient for what they're working on. Mm -hmm. Like if they're just starting out, I think the tuple is the most intuitive. But once they start actually writing code like rainbow cycles and stuff like that, they realize it's easier just to work with a single number. Hmm. And they'll kind of bounce back and forth between the two.
3: Uh human uh, what is it? Hue and saturation HS what HSL uh, that'd be, maybe
10: maybe uh, you can do RGB or you could do HSB. So it's just a different way of specifying the three degrees of freedom essentially. Yeah, right.
3: Yes. And HSB seems to have, to be a lot easier to implement rainbow rainbow right. in. Right.
10: True, true. And we that that could be handled by just um a helper function or something.
7: Right.
3: So I'm talking more just
10: the 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 most direct way that it's being currently being handled.
3: Yeah, it's three number, three uh, either three number, or or a or
10: yeah, yeah, just an integer or a tuple. And
3: then then the tuple.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't have a good a good response for that.
10: Um, my my general feeling is that I think it's adding more
0: confusion than right, than the, the number is.
10: No, this this auto magic white behavior. Yeah. Where you notice that they're get specifying RG and B to be the same. I think maybe there was early on there, maybe it was the original idea that you could control a RGBW NeoPixel with a three tuple.
0: Okay. So
10: so if you wanted white, you would just say R, G, and B are the same value, right. and it would drive the white channel for you. Kind of right. neat. Neatly. Well, if, you
3: get, if you're going to do that, if you allow that, you had that that one that would mean that actually the right way to do it is all all bits on. If you see if you see a value of what is it? Six uh, F, 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 right? Three, no, but the fives that that is white and nothing else should be white.
0: Well, that's not true because the white ha- has brightness. So if you do all C's, like, should it use the white pixels? Or should it use all three of the color pixels? Right? Like,
3: yeah,
0: I don't know. I've, I think there are I advantages my... to taking the number in. The number itself, unless we use support for long ints, we can't have four components there. Um, so yeah, right. I, I don't have a good op. I don't have a good answer to that.
10: Right, and I have a second issue for thirty-two uh, bit ints. For like, if you actually want to have an int for the four channels, what what's the layout of it be? Because that's currently also kind of ambiguous. But that would be kind of a follow-on issue of how to support rgbw with the integer so right now i'm just right. kind of questioning
3: well you know well i, tuple, would, um, I, I to would... me, the
10: tuples in the integer should both behave the same way and i kind of advocate this auto magic should go away yeah it's not it's not that hard to understand that you have four different little leds in there and you just want to drive the four with these four different numbers
0: But that's what a tuple is, right? Like, I think the only reason to have the integer support is to be backwards compatible with, like, standard RGB hex stuff. Yeah, because
3: everybody's usually using a function, like, yeah, uh, that reads something like RGB and then in parentheses, three numbers. That would be the... But that could be... uh, That function could accept the tuple.
0: Carter, I'd also be curious if you could just link to me to people being confused by this so I have more context.
10: Yeah, I should probably do a better job of trying to keep track of that for you, but it's I mean, it just it kind of goes with the flow of everything I'm doing in the forums. Yeah. Like I've had to, I've had this note written down for several weeks to bring up.
0: Yeah, well the next time it comes up, like maybe file an issue about it or follow it up somewhere. We can I take think a did.
10: I do have that issue I just linked, I do have one forum okay. link there. That you can you can look at.
0: All right. Uh, All right, well I'm gonna wrap us up. We're we're super long, so Okay. Um, we'll think on that. Okay. Okay. Uh, this has been the Adafruit Circuit Python Weekly for September third, twenty nineteen. Uh, thank you to everybody who made it out uh, for this uh, extra, extra in-depth discussion of in the weeds. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, this meeting happens uh, regularly on Mondays at eleven a.m. Pacific, two p.m. Eastern, on the Adafruit Discord, which you can join by going to slash uh, discord We'll get you in there. Um, the meeting has been recorded, so you can check it out on the Adafruit YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Adafruit. Uh, it will go in the Adafruit Daily uh, next week on Tuesday as well. Um, we should be regular time uh, next week as well. And um, there's something else I was going to say. Uh, check the notes uh, or the description of the videos for links to the notes docs as well. Uh, so, yeah. I think that's it. We'll see everybody next week.
3: Okay. Have a good week.
1: Thanks, everyone.
8: Have a good one, folks. Yep, we're out of here.